Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Treatment Room. I'm your host, Tessa Zali. And today, I just want to dive right into a topic many of you have expressed interest in, which is becoming a holistic esthetician. I think this is something that's really changing the industry as we know it. So we're going to talk about what it means to be a holistic esthetician and how to implement this in your client work today. I am joined by a fellow holistic esthetician and also a fellow brand founder, Leslie Thornton, founder of the skincare brand Clore. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so, so happy to have you and to get to know more about you. I want to hear your story. I know you've been in the industry, I think, two decades, 20 years. I know you started as a makeup artist and later became an esthetician. Could you tell us about your journey and how you got into aesthetics? I became an esthetician after I realized during the time, well, 10 years of being a makeup artist, I really never had the answers or anyone who sat in my chair. So essentially, back in the day, before there was a YouTube, before there was so much resource, online resources, Instagram, things like that, there wasn't really um, a place you could go to get beauty education. And in realizing that, anyone who sat in my chair, I literally could never answer their questions about their skin, about their skincare routines, or what products to use outside of a moisturizer, and maybe uh, you know an SPF. That was that was kind of like my 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 um that was all I really knew. And I realized that essentially for me to be a better makeup artist, I needed to understand the skin, and that kind of prompted the idea in my head that you know I want to focus on makeup that look very natural. So the skin should always radiate through. And this was before the no makeup makeup was even a thing. I just had a softer touch. I had a softer hand. And as I was doing these makeup applications um, with this very, very light um, skin-like appeal, um, I wanted my clients to really have amazing skin. They had to have amazing skin to really pull that off. So Essentially, there was a combination of wanting to, you know, to educate my client in the chair, but also to be a better makeup artist. And I thought that becoming an esthetician would kind of give me both, which it did. But um, I, I, I did not realize an, an entirely new world of beauty education would open up to me. And it wouldn't just be about the application of products. Um, it would be about really changing people's lives. So it was really the, the combination of the lack of education, the lack of resources that was out in the mainstream and also me wanting to um, inform my customers and my clients who, you know, trusted me. That makes total sense. I can only imagine really being able to give sound advice when it comes to the skin just made doing makeup so much more seamless and 
I think a lot of us started with a, a interest in makeup because I think even five, 10 years ago, that was just what was more popular. And then we did sort of see things swinging more towards skincare and people wanting to have that really solid foundation before they do their makeup. Absolutely. You see this a lot in particular. Um, there was a point in my career where I was doing a lot of brides 2010, 2011, 2013, I was doing a lot of brides. It just seemed to be that there was not a lot of people specializing in weddings. And um, I had this contract with the Knot magazine, K-N-O-T, it was like a, the premier wedding magazine. And I was getting a lot of weddings and a lot of brides wanted to understand how to do bridal prep. How do I prepare my skin six months out, three months out? What should I do, um, you know, to take care of my skin before my wedding? You know, and what I realized was like um, six months out is a little far out. So if you want to do, you know, extensive peels, that's one thing. But you didn't you don't want to do a peel three months before your wedding. You don't want to do a peel three weeks before your wedding. So what is that? You know, how do we educate that bride? And so I think in particular, my experience with weddings really it made me hone in on that there was this skin boot camp all these brides were looking for and it just was not out there. So uh, I think that's what really was the catalyst to get me um, moving into skin and to skincare and particularly skin health. I love that. And I, I do want to hear even more about how you made that transition as a makeup artist did you take time off to go to school or do them simultaneously? It's funny because when we talk about weddings, most people are getting married on a Friday, Saturday, or a Sunday. Those are your big days for weddings. And um, when I applied for the aesthetics program, it was a Monday through Friday type of thing. So there was no weekend classes. And so essentially, I believe the course was 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday every day. And funny enough, it was was one of those moments that was actually, I thinking back, this is now 13 years ago, but it was literally a life-changing moment to decide, make or break my future. And sometimes they, you know, we call it now the pivot, but it wasn't even a pivot for me. It was literally like, do it now or don't do it at all. I had applied for the course. I'd applied for a course, uh, aesthetics um, licensing course um, here in Los Angeles. And um, when I applied, the, the classes were full. So the instructor or whoever the person was over admission, she called and said, listen, um, the classes are full. So, you know, we can put you on a waiting list and uh, it'll be next year. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll let you know if anything opens. And I said, OK, yeah, sure. No problem. And three days later, she called me and she said, um, hi, you were on our waiting list. I just want to let you know that um, class started three days ago and um, we do have we have an opening, though. And I said, what do you mean you have an opening? She said, well, two people who enrolled in the course, um, they didn't show up for the first two days. And basically within an aesthetics program or any cosmetology program, it's based on hours. So you can only miss so many days. You're, I believe in the entire program, you could only miss three days. So because you have to complete this amount of hours. And so she said, this per these two people have already missed the first two days. So essentially they are um, out of the kicked out of the program by, you know, just by the loss of hours. She said, would you like to um, start? And I said, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I could be there like next week or something. And she's like, no, the program started two days ago. And, and she, this is like a Wednesday. And she's like, no, the program started on Monday. You need to be in class tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> 
I'm in Pier once trying to buy, buy, buy a lamp. Like, I'm trying to buy a lamp. Like, I'm like literally shopping for a lamp, like, for my apartment at the time. And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah. So you could, I said, well, what about, you know, like, can I do the next program? She said, that's not from a year from now. And there's no guarantee. Like, she's like, you know, this, this program's funding is being cut. So there's no guarantee. And she said, so you could start tomorrow and do it, or you could wait. And I just was like, oh my God. This is either, and I had already waited two years to be on this waiting list. I forgot to mention that. I was already on the waiting list for two years. And I, I had already had a facial bed in my spare bedroom. I had already had a hot cat. Oh, and ready. I was ready. I was ready. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. If I don't start, so I, say it, I was like, you know what? If I don't do this right now, right now, and I know we call it like, you know, pivoting now, or but this was literally, sometimes you have to make a good your best decision a good decision in that moment you have to learn to make really good solid decisions life-changing decisions that can be make or break and I will tell you that actually became one of those moments in my life that it is it was one of the the first times I felt like this is a make or break moment for me if I don't do this Mm -hmm. it will be put behind I mean a year is a significant amount of time I may not even be in the same state next year you know I don't know what's going to happen in a year so um, that is how that that transpired but yeah it was life-changing and when I I finished the program um, I immediately wanted to jump into getting a facial studio so I started looking for places and one of my classmates sent me a message saying hey like there's you know she sent me an email saying there's a studio that's for rent it's in Sherman Oaks it's um, actually like a little tiny room but the rent is really good you know you should check it out so I went and checked it out and it was when she said tiny, it was the tiniest. I don't think she could have ever like <laughs> emphasized tiny anymore. It was the tiniest room you'd ever been in. Once you walked in, you were in the face, like you had to lay on the facial bed. You couldn't really stand up very long. You you could turn around and then be on the facial bed, literally. And so there was <laughs> enough room for a sink for my, um, my facial bed and, you know, my tools and the steamer. And that was pretty much it. And I think it was like $150 a week. And um, the owner of the place really lo- loved me and wanted me to stay there. So he would say like, you know, the, the wigs, you don't make your rent, just, just, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And he really gave me a break and that gave me a chance to build a clientele and like really learn my craft without feeling the pressure to make a lot of money. And that's kind of the one thing that's any business that you're in, that you're building clientele, whether you're a hairstylist or a makeup artist or, um, an esthetician, it takes time to build clientele. So you don't automatically um, do well right off the bat. And um, I think I did that for, I was in that facial studio for a couple years. And then eventually um, I landed on a TV show and I was a skin expert on a TV show and and the kind of from there. And that's that. (laughs) Yeah. That was kind of like the beginning and that was the, that's how things started getting, you know, started rolling. And then eventually um, I just progressively had different studios, facial, you know, in different areas, you kind of, kind of, you have to fill out what area you want to be in, like, especially where your mm-hmm. clientele is and who is responding in that community. And um, I ended up being in an area like called adjacent to Larchmont, which is a very popular place now in LA. Um, but it's just yes. a small, yeah, so it's like cute. A, such a cute area, but this is, um, uh, 2013, 2014, there was, there was actually no facialist in Larchmont. There was no skin. So now there's Credo, which is our primary retailer. There's all these oh, beautiful, yeah. be- um, skincare. You store it there. Yes. There's so many amazing, um, 
uh, retailers and, and beautiful like beauty retailers on Larchmont now. So it's amazing. A great place to be location-wise with now lots of walking traffic. Now, lots of walking traffic. It wasn't <laughs> back then it was the hustle. You had to have like a really good Yelp. You had to have really good reviews. You have to have all types of, you know, promotions and things like that. And you really yes. had to work. I mean, I had to learn marketing, you know, when you're an esthetician, I don't think anyone talks about that. It's like, you have to actually like right. market your, really market yourself to get your clients. Right. So that was a, a different time. Now Instagram is like, you know, really the only tool you really need. Yeah. It's, it's so different having social media nowadays compared to, I have a lot of friends who've been in the industry for, for decades like you who had to do more proactive in-person mm-hmm. outreach, like putting your card on people's yep. car windshield, yep. all those kind of tricks. I mean, anything and everything, coupons, little, you know, little comeback by one, like any of that type of stuff that you don't realize, like it feels antiquated. Those things feel antiquated. And I still have some of my promotional pieces, like, you know, collateral that I kept yeah. over the years, a brochure. When you walk in now, you don't have a brochure. Like I'd have a little, you know, printed out brochure and I was spending a lot of money on the type of stuff. So it's expensive. Yeah, it's, it, it is really expensive. And, and that was the beginning of, of Claire. And that was the beginning of my, my, you know, I actually had to teach myself business and cosmetology, um, as a whole, it doesn't teach you the business aspect. It teaches you, you know, the skincare, the um, hair care and nail care, the, all those different programs, but the, it doesn't teach you any business. No, no. I think it's really shocking to a lot of estheticians, especially those like yourself who go from school to opening up a suite right mm-hmm. away. You mm-hmm. really have to kind of <laughs> learn on your feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a, yeah, that is so true, but you learn a lot and, you know, I think you grow, um, as a business person very quickly Mm. because you realize Mm -hmm. this is is your bread and butter. And if you're going to pursue it and you want to make a living, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. I know this wasn't really on our list of questions to ask, but when it, when it comes to business, is there any advice you would share or any lessons you've learned the hard way that you could pass on to the listeners? Yeah, especially if you're building, I, I'm going to lean into a brand side now because a lot of that stuff in the past is like, now it doesn't even, it doesn't even equate. It's not even relevant anymore. But on the brand side now, positioning yourself, whether you're going to be an, you know, an esthetician doing demos online or pulling in clients from the from Instagram or branding yourself as a sort of, you know, like a podcaster, an esthetician slash podcaster. However you want to build your personal brand, I think that you have to um, not only just lean into being authentic to yourself, showing up as yourself, learning that, you know, you, it's only, you're, you are your superpower. You just being you, no one can duplicate that. And straying away, staying away from trends as much as possible. Trends will come and go. And um, I think that it is so important as you build a personal brand, or if you're an esthetician who wants to build a skincare brand, um, I just say, stay away from trends. Anything that is trendy is generally not going to um, like live a long life. So um, that was one of the things that, you know, when I started to build Claire, I just kind of like leaned into what I loved. I had a ceramics collection of 15 years, 16 years that I'd been collecting ceramics that I loved. And so I kind of looked at my ceramics as my inspiration. So 
yeah, just kind of show up as yourself, be authentic. You don't have to be the next anybody. You don't have to be the next big thing. And then also, um, you know, stay away from like what's popular. Yeah, I, I want to echo that and just say, I feel like estheticians have such a unique opportunity to actually talk with our clients and, mm-hmm. and see what's going on in their skin and see what's working and notice certain patterns, notice what what might be working and what might not be working. And I think that can give you a really original view to, mm-hmm. if you do want to start a skincare brand, to see where is there some sort of gap or opportunity to create mm-hmm. something that you feel like people could benefit from. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so true. So true. I think it's, um, but you know, I think if you do start adopting and seeing all that's out there and you want to be like this person or you want to be the next Kate Somerville or you want to be the next Dennis Gross, like those people are great at what they do and they've done it, but really being your mm. own self, like that is the thing that you have that's so different from yes. anyone else. And I think your experience with your clients in the treatment room and the way that you treat it, it can be drastically different from what is being shown online, what's being seen online, that you could bring an entirely new perspective to things. So absolutely. I think that, you know, for, for you know, with Claire, we, we sometimes talk about blueberries, like, you know, not, not just in the skincare products, but just eating antioxidants, because this is mm. part of the, this is part of the protocol that I had developed as an esthetician. So it doesn't sound like it's geared towards skin. It sounds more like I'm leaning into nutrition, but there are so many similarities and, um, once you have an understanding of the things that you want to bring to the table, no one else is going to, you know, no one's going to sound like you or be like you if you just show up as yourself. Right, right. Authenticity is really everything. And I think people know they're just so savvy these days. They they are interested when somebody is being themselves. It doesn't have to be the most flashy person at all, but I think people are just drawn to that authenticity versus trying to replicate something that's already out there because you can really only be a second-rate version of somebody else anyway. So why not be yourself? Yeah, amen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of nutrition and health, I do want to ask you more about being a holistic esthetician. What do you think that means to you? For me, it's my point of view. So I, I, I view the skin as part of a whole body system of functioning organs, that it is not just an external facade. Right? And some estheticians who are just waxing are just seeing it as an, an external facade. Maybe you're just doing hair removal. But for me, I see it as part of an entire functioning system. And so that means I have to do a lot more digging. I have to do a lot more. Um, I have to do much more of a comprehensive analysis of the skin and um, the way I approach skin. And I'm not in the treatment room anymore, but really within Clur as a brand, I bring my holistic point of view. And so that falls under five fundamental Um, practices and protocols. So there's our treatments of care, which are our our products. There is our um, pillar of replenishing nutrition. And we talk a lot lot about that in our blog and in our our, um, newsletter, things like that. And so uh, there's also our rest and restoration pillar. And those are two different things, rest and restorative um, protocols. And then there's decompression. It's a completely different thing. What's kind of like where we lean into aromatherapy. It's actually learning to decompress and gentle movement. Um, 
those are my fundamental pillars as a holistic esthetician and, and those things must all be in alignment not just your products so it's coming at it from a perspective where products are not the single and they're actually not the most important they um are an addition to what you already have perfected so or what you're working towards perfecting and and the other four pillars um Treatments of care are definitely the clear products, and we do a great job with that. But I think that the other pillars, like allowing our clients to have a responsibility, like not just putting all the responsibility on mm -hmm. us to make mm -hmm. really great products or really great formulas, yeah. but that you have a responsibility to your skin as an organ. And leaning into that, um, what I was doing in the, fa the facial room was really just educating and inspiring. And those are the same two fundamental objectives I've, I have as a brand founder is to educate and inspire my clients to take on my perspective and view themselves holistically and more comprehensively. And I know you're not necessarily in the treatment room anymore, but just thinking of the time when you were, can you think of some questions that you would be asking during this comprehensive analysis when you are trying to understand the whole person? Or in other words, for somebody who's listening, who wants to lean into a more holistic approach, what are some things that they should be asking their clients? I ask my clients, what are they eating Monday through Friday? I would always ask my clients, what are they eating Monday through Friday? What does the average day of food look like? And I wouldn't worry about the weekends because a lot of my clients would party. So I didn't think too much <laughs> about the weekends, but I'd ask my clients, what are you doing Monday through Friday? What do you eat? When do you eat? And, you know, um, I, I would also ask them how much sleep they were getting. Uh, that was fundamental. Just, it was absolutely imperative. How much sleep they were getting. Did they get seven to eight hours sleep every night? And if they were not, how we could try to work on that. And if, why they weren't sleeping, trying to get to the root of why they weren't sleeping. Was it just, you know, you're staying up late and you're a student and you kind of have to just stay up to get your work done? Or is it that you can't mm -hmm. sleep or that you can't sleep all the way through the night? So just looking at things like that and then um, how often they're doing um, exercises, not just physical, but like mental exercises or mental nutrition. How often mm -hmm. they're um, taking in positivity, like how... Practicing, I, I like to call it skin gratitude. Like how often do you practice skin gratitude? How often are you grateful for your body and for your skin? How, you know, a lot of our thoughts really encounter our feelings. Thoughts make feelings. You know, you think something first and then you feel it. And so, you know, it's not the reverse. You don't feel, then you think. You think, then you feel. So you think you're having a bad day, then you feel like you're having a bad day. So um, mm -hmm. I'd always ask my clients, like, how often are you just being grateful for your body and practicing skin gratitude? even on the bad days. Right. Oh yeah. It's even more important on the bad days. And I feel like with skincare too, you almost have to envision it working and remind yourself of the benefits as you're, as you're doing each step, because I've definitely seen clients who I would say are kind of doing everything right by the book. But when it mm -hmm. comes to the mental aspect, if they're kind of, I see this a lot, especially with acne clients, when you've seen a certain image and kind of told yourself this story for so long of, um, of not being able to, I guess, overcome the acne in a sense or get it more managed when you're on that negative mm -hmm. track, it's something I think that does perpetuate itself. 
I think so too. And I don't think a lot of people um, realize the implications of negative thinking that how it raises our cortisol and how it can really actually create a lot of stress in our body. And I think if you are really, you know, our skin is obviously the integumentary system. So that is the external system that we're looking at. It's our skin, hair, and nails, the systems that we can see. But the lymphatic system is li- lies under that. The nervous system lies under that. And like you have this sort of sandwich of your, you know, of your, what's the sandwich layers. And I tell people that the nervous system has a lot to do with your integumentary system and your lymphatic system has a lot to do with your nervous system. All these things are working together. They are not necessarily separate systems. They're separate systems by name, but when they come together, they actually function, you know, together. So if you're thinking negative thoughts and you are not really looking at yourself in a positive light, that can really, it can have a negative impact on our stress levels. And our court, mm-hmm. and when cortisol is very high and our stress is very high, it's and it's not manageable. It doesn't give our skin any time to rest. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so important. And if it sounds a little woo-woo to anyone listening, I feel like we've we've all noticed those of us who struggle with maybe acne or rosacea. We've all noticed a flare bring about these exacerbated physical symptoms. I know when I get really stressed or emotionally worn out, (laughs) I can expect a rosacea flare. Absolutely. Especially with rosacea or acne rosacea. Like we can see Mm -hmm. that, you know, we see it predominantly on the cheeks or around the nose or around the mouth that this skin just flares up out of nowhere. Absolutely. Yep. Indeed. And I don't think, I mean, you have to look at it from a scientific perspective because it can only, it sounds woo woo. Yeah. But we actually break (laughs) down the science. It totally makes sense, right? We're looking at it from a um, hormonal, uh, essentially your stress, your, your mind affects your nervous system, which in, you know, return affects your, your, um, your ability to cope. And like, I think that gets your anxiety going, gets your cortisol going and it, it, it changes your hormones essentially. So I don't think yeah. that it's it's not that difficult, but it just sounds kind of weird. But it, when you start putting it together, it, it completely makes sense. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's real and it's it manifests in inflammation. And I share a very similar philosophy to you with my clients. I always want to emphasize the mental health side of things and that rest and rejuvenation. I think something that's important – that I share is, you know, trying to unplug before bed, maybe putting your phone away two hours before bed, doing something calming like reading or listening to calming music. I love meditations. Are there any things that you suggest, Leslie, for somebody who's in maybe like a chronic fight or flight mode that could help them to lean into those those pillars of rest and rejuvenation? Absolutely. Um, I love aromatherapy for this. I'm not a fan of aromatherapy on the face at all. So with Clara products, we have no fragrance or any scent in any of our facial care. But I absolutely love when it comes to nighttime routines is building a routine, especially um, around seven o'clock to start to either dim the lights to get our circadian rhythm sort of um, in tune 
understanding that we don't need all these bright lights. You know, you know, a lot of people have recessed lights in their kitchen and you're in your kitchen at 7 30, 8 o'clock at night and this light is overhead, essentially just telling your body that it's still daylight outside. So seven o'clock, I tell my clients, start dimming your lights. Start dimming the lights so you can start to tell your body that it's two hours before rest, two, three hours before rest. Even if you're not in bed till 11 o'clock, it's a little late for me, but even if you're not in bed till 11, you want to start to tell your body it's time to relax. It's time to uh, settle down for the night. So um, I'm big on a nighttime routine. So my lights go down around seven. My last meal is um, around, I would say between seven and 7.30. After we clean the kitchen, uh, we're done. The lights are done. Um, I have like a little set of Christmas lights. I always tell my clients, buy some Christmas lights and put it on your, your fiddle tree or something. So you can have a little <laughs> bit of light, but it's not directly in your eyes. So mm. I think um, I have a Himalayan salt lamp and I have the Christmas lights on a tree. So those are my sources of light at night. Um, I love a warm bath. I'm really big on magnesium bathing. And so I do a warm bath. Um, if I can't do it every night, I'll do it every other night. Sometimes it can be time consuming. Um and then uh, I love incorporating aromatherapy on my body, like from my neck down. So I will do some decompression breathing or some decompression exercises. It could be just a light meditation. I don't have to drift off completely, but I might just really focus on some breathing and inhaling, um, you know, lavender or a combination of really calming essential oils. Some blends that I make that are... Um, that have been really great for me have been like vetiver and lavender that which I really like for sleeping and calming down and that's been shown to clinically bring down cortisol as well which is great I always tell my clients to um, not have too much dessert because you don't want to spike your blood sugar before you go to bed so if you're gonna have dessert have it actually after lunch so no I don't do dinner dessert I do lunch dessert so I always have a piece of dark chocolate or something yummy a little chocolate that I make after my lunch and not after my dinner. So mm. yeah, that's a, that's a good one because <laughs> you definitely don't want to go to bed with high sugar or high glucose yes. um, in your bloodstream. And yes. um, I'm really into calming teas. I do love warm, mm. calming teas at night. So I'm a huge fan of real chamomile, like the real flowers, steeping chamomile. And I will do a cup of chamomile almost every night that I can remember um, that or a combination of uh, valerian root, which it, it does have a strong um, taste to it. So a lot of people are not too big on it, but it is amazing for getting that deep sleep. Um, I also don't watch TV at night. I don't like too much of anything shining in my eyes late at night. I've noticed mm -hmm. that um, the nights I get off my phone and I just let it be or turn it off, I sleep better, deeper, calmer, and then um, I also black out my room. So I have around eight o'clock, I pulled everything back, all the shades down. Um, and so there's no real, I, I like to sleep in the darkest room I can be in. So that and uh, my AC, I would always tell my clients, bring down your AC, actually turn on the AC and bring down the temperature so that you can bring down your core body temperature and you'll sleep a little deeper. Yes. Oh, I love that. Dark, cool room is is really a game changer and trying to get away from all the screens. It's, it's, it can be really challenging, especially for me. I work with a lot of women who are in their 20s and 30s. A lot of us are just truly ad addicted to our phone and Instagram mm -hmm. and TikTok. And up until recently, I'm a very healthy person, but I think that was the one thing I really 
struggled with because it can become so addicting and it is it is entertaining yeah, and, it is. in a sense and, and, and it helps you to unwind they're yeah totally designed to be addicting they're not they're not designed for you to get off of like they're doing right. exactly what they're designed to do the layout of instagram yeah. the, the, the scrolling you know swiping up swiping up swiping up swiping up swiping down that is exactly <laughs> what it's supposed to do it's literally the the mm-hmm. mechanism in which they use to get you addicted so i think yeah. you just have to keep a clear conscience of that of like Hey, I've been on TikTok for an hour. I've been on Instagram for an hour. Let me get off. I think I personally need to send, I need to say it verbally so I can actually send that signal Mm. to my brain and say, I need to get off my phone and put it down. I have to tell myself that I can't just think it. I have to say, you know, like, okay, it's time to get off the phone. I've been on it for an hour. You know, um, I know that my sleep is extremely, extremely important, but when it comes to our skin health, the lack of sleep elevates cortisol which impacts your skin's ability to renew. And mm. your skin cannot, you, we're looking for exfoliation with this acid and that acid, but our skin can renew itself on its own as well. It does renew itself on its own. However, we actually can see so much more benefit to our skincare ingredients if we allow our skin to renew. So it really does, They, it's all linked. There is no real part of this that is functioning separately from another it's all sort of you know this beautiful design um you know mother nature's design and i we really have to acknowledge that more often that we are doing a lot of things that are out of sync with mother nature and as much as we can sync ourselves um whether it be our circadian rhythm or our sleep or our nutrition we can sync ourselves to what is um how we're naturally supposed to be naturally functioning. I always think of my grandmother. I think of my grandmother. She's 92. I think of what time she used to go to bed, what she would eat during the day, what, what, um, what, um, time she would wake up. So I, I actually started to just honestly tell myself like, who is it that I have a really good role model for life and living? And it was my grandparents. And I started to model a lot of the things that I saw them do in my own life. I absolutely love that. My grandmother was, I'm just thinking of her now too, very early to go to bed, early to rise, Yes, spent a lot of time in her garden, like touching grass. And oh my gosh, she would have been appalled at the the electronics and social media that's so prevalent today. And it just takes that moment, like you were saying, of kind of realizing what's not serving you. I think for me, I got so tired of not being able to fall asleep and then being groggy during the day. I was just like, I've had enough of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just spending these hours on the phone before bed and, and it does affect your sleep quality. And I know for me with acne, with rosacea, just generally needing sleep for my immune system and for beauty rest... I can totally see it in the skin when I'm not taking care of my my sleep. Well, I mean, your skin is totally part of your immune system as well. And I think people don't realize that is that that integumentary system that is really your skin system. That is part of your immune system. So absolutely, you can see how much your skin changes when you get sick, you know, and how much your skin might get dry when you get sick or how, um, it, how, how you know, how I, I notice in particular, I mean, my cheeks become so dry when I'm not well, very, very dry. So absolutely. And and I think to your point where you said, you know, in particular saying that this is not serving me, I think actually 
verbatim, like this is not serving me, like getting that will get you off the phone. The moment you acknowledge that openly to yourself, like and verbally to yourself that this is not serving me, I will put my phone down. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels good to build new habits. It's it's not easy, but now I have my routine of reading before bed. And I used to think I struggled with insomnia and, and getting good sleep. And now I'm like, wow, it's kind of amazing. I can fall asleep after reading a few pages of my book. It just takes honestly unplugging. It, isn't it funny how that works? Like <laughs> just doing what people used to do 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just doing what what you would ordinarily see somebody have do, you know, do, I don't know, 15 years ago, that no one was on their phones late at night, 10 years ago. No. And I mean, I just think we carry likely so much stress from all the constant messaging and signals and ads and just overstimulation. overstimulation that happens throughout the course of our whole day. And I feel like I notice this when I talk to a lot of my female clients in particular. I think we carry a lot of stress with just so many demands and trying to live up to things with our physical appearance. That's like one job. And then we might have our normal job and then jobs at home. And then all of this constant messaging, I think. Well, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And somebody might not think they're stressed, but I think it's just, it's, we're all kind of taking on some level of stress, whether you are aware of it or not. Well, I think we've gotten really good at adapting to it and acclimating and just fitting the stress into our lives. And then we end up paying the price 10 years down the line, right? And then we wonder why our our hair is falling out. We wonder why our nails are brittle because we've actually gotten used to the stress it's not supposed to be part of our lives. It's not supposed to be this constant chronic thing. There is, you know, the type of stress that you can take on on a daily basis. And um, you kind of, it's just that temporary, but having this chronic, you know, stress, this constant stress, it's not supposed to be, that's really not what life was about ever. Right. You know, right. long, long term, there's that acute stress, which is obviously, those are our, our you know, our, um, our immediate coping mechanisms. But the chronic stress is not what we are supposed to have in our life every single day. It's not. No. No. And I think nutrition is definitely another component that can affect our mental health and our anxiety. I would love to hear more about your specific philosophy on nutrition. I know you touched a little bit on blood glucose Mm -hmm. and how high glycemic foods can affect the skin. Yeah. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. It's very simple. We just, I aim for three things. So this is a, um, a low glycemic diet. So you can essentially eat what you want throughout the day. Um, just ensuring that they're low glycemic foods. So I generally, I don't have any, like I'm not a ketogenic or keto diet or any of these type of diets, but I do subscribe to things that are low glycemic. So for the most part, like this, just this morning, 
I had a bowl of lentils with two eggs and a little bit of avocado. So although there are carbohydrates in lentils, um, they're high in fiber and they're very low glycemic. So I am always aiming for a very low glycemic diet so that we are preventing skin aging. Um, what happens with our skin is it... Um, when we have too much glucose in our bloodstream, it actually attaches to the proteins and the collagen and it breaks down our skin's, um, pro actually breaks down our skin collagen over time. So if you're ever wanting to prevent aging, instead of looking at it like, hey, I want to reverse aging, we always want to prevent the skin from degrading and high blood sugar will degrade the skin the quickest, period. Second is an anti-inflammatory approach. So we want to actually make sure that we're taking in enough vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that um, are acting as anti-inflammatory agents. And thirdly is um, whole foods and um, nutrient mints. And that is it. That's the, that is literally how we take nutrition, a nutritional protocol into our skin. And so, um, mm -hmm. Nutrient dense are just our foods that are going to have maximum potency, maximum nutrients, maximum vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. They're always going to give you the most bang for your buck. So they're probably unprocessed, right? So we know that our processed foods are not going to give us the most bang for our buck. We know that if we're reducing the amount of sugar load in our bloodstream, we're going to reduce that inflammation. And so for the most part, they all kind of work one and the same. It sounds so crazy, but they actually all work one and the same. If you take an anti-inflammatory approach, you're generally removing sugar, so you're automatically going to be low glycemic. If you're taking a um, nutrient-dense approach, you're usually focusing on whole foods, the things that are going to give you the most um, uh, nutrients in your body to fuel your body, fuel your, provide your skin with what it needs, your skin, hair, and nails. It's so crazy, but they literally all line up together, so it's, it is as much nutrients, nutrition as you can get in your meal. So whether it be sprinkling on herbs, just you know, dry herbs or fresh herbs or spices, the addition of herbs and spices just on top of your foods, not all the way cooked through, but just on top of your food, adding a little pinches of um, Celtic salt on top of your food to enhance the minerals. So we're looking for as much nutrition as we can get in every meal. Um, as low inflammation, as low inflammatory as possible. And that really coincides with our low glycemic because most of our foods that are low glycemic are going to be anti-inflammatory as well. And then I like to top it off with just having my clients also add in a lot of antioxidants throughout the day. So if you're snacking, and I think this is one of your questions, if you're snacking, you're just trying to look for um, snacks that provide you that are very low in sugar, but high in antioxidants. I, in particular, love to drink teas throughout the day. I will have three to four different types of tea in one day, and those are going to give you lots of minerals, the trace minerals that many of those foods, no matter how well you're eating, are still missing many of our manganese, our chromium, our potassium, um, many of the necessary trace minerals that our body needs. So I try to get that through um, like drinking herbal teas. I, I love everything you shared. I'm so in alignment with your philosophy. I think for one, low glycemic foods, it's something I've been wanting to touch on more. I mainly specialize in acne and rosacea, and, and that is something I think is is missed in the conversation. I do see a lot of information about specific acne triggers. We 
often understand, you know, things like uh, consuming a lot of dairy can have an adverse effect on the skin, but low glycemic foods and really balancing your meals, like with the example Leslie gave of her lentils and her eggs and her avocado, getting a good complex carb with protein and fat, that is a great way to sustain yourself throughout the day and really minimize those blood sugar spikes. So I'm so glad we touched on that. And I want to hear also more about your teas. So if somebody is wanting to to brew teas like you do with the whole flower, it sounds like, mm-hmm. where do you source these teas? Because I want to start doing that. One of the best places just to find, you're not going to get one. I think this website is called Mountain Rose Herbs. What's nice is you're not buying the individual teas. You're buying really good blends that they've already created. I like this to start off with tea drinkers because um, you get this sort of more complex taste. So I think it's called Mountain Rose Herbs. They make really good little canisters of pre-blended ones. So they have like a women's support tea, um, a menstrual cycle support tea. They'll have, they have some individual teas, but they have like an herbal coffee. Let me just make sure I'm giving you the right name. Mountain Rose. Herbal coffee, I'm intrigued. Yes. So they have a blend of dandelion, maca, on their site while we're talking. Yeah. yeah. So what I like when I when I tell people to get into teas is not to the individual ones. Individual teas are amazing. However, if you're not really a blender, you're not really into. You don't know how to blend your teas for you know utilizing the minerals. Um, they can be a little boring, and I think that's why people don't embrace them as much. Is because they can be a bit boring. Just a green tea on its own, eh, it's okay. But when you have a chai for the first time, you imagine the complexity of a chai is cardamom, cinnamon, black pepper. Um, mm. It's just that like it's that it's that combination of all those beautiful herbs and spices together. And uh, obviously, I'm not going to go blending my own chai. I'm just not going to. Um, but you know, the chai, I, I have ginger root. I have the cinnamon bark at home. I have the cardamom. I have clothes, but for people who are wanting to get into teas and really add those additional herbs and spices, those that boost of antioxidants, teas are the way to go when we want to boost our antioxidants throughout the day. They're, they don't require us to have a blood sugar spike. You're not eating more food. You're just really, it's such a, I personally drink very little water. I drink lots of herbal teas throughout the day. I infuse my water with as much as I can get, and that is adding such an abundance of um, trace minerals, antioxidants, flavonoids, all types of really great, robust um, flavors that you can you can have fun with. It's actually enjoyable to have these different teas, and I travel with them. Like I am a, such a tea drinker that I travel with them. <laughs> so, um, and they're good. very good for um, that. You can really put some blends together that are really strong anti-inflammatory blends as well. The site is called mountainroseherbs.com and they have organic teas and accessories. I don't do anything in a bag generally unless I'm traveling. So I have like the diffusers and the the little baggies. Um, They have some herbal teas. They have flavor teas and black teas. My favorite combination, I make, it it is one I make. Um, It's nettle, a little bit of chamomile, not enough for me to knock out for the day, but just enough for me to calm down during the day burdock root and dandelion. And that is my favorite general wellness blend that I drink throughout the day. 
Yeah. Well, I can't wait to try it. I'm going to link the website that you mentioned in the show notes, and I'm probably going to do some shopping after this episode. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're, it you're so just, fun. It is amazing. And like I said, go for the blends, go for the ones that they've already blended, you know, like a, they have a, um, a Vita blend or a wise woman blend. Go for the blends because they're more mm. complex. They're more um, robust. And the more different plants variety that we're getting throughout the day, the stronger our microbiome will be, the better the um, plants work because plants work in synergy with each other. So they boost each other's um, benefits as well. So I always try to drink a blend of four to five uh, teas or spices included in one day. I love it. I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. And I want to hear more about your, your nutrition, Leslie. And if you go to the store, what are some key things that you're always picking up? So I don't have the, my, like the thing I'm always going to gravitate to like the moment I walk in, I have my routine when I walk in the door of the, the grocery store, I'm always going to go straight for the vegetable. I will bypass everything else. I'm going to head straight to my vegetables. I go straight to the produce. So I base my meals on the produce first. A lot of, I grew up eating like a heavy meat, meat family and I still am a meat eater, but we centered meat in our family. We'd always, what are we going to have tonight? Are we going to have chicken? And then what are we going to have on the sides? Oh, like a little broccoli or a little bit of that. And like the, the, you know, the meat or the protein would be the um, center of the meal. I center vegetables and then we consider the protein as the second. So um, as long as we're, I get a handful of protein in, you know, in my meal, I'm fine. I find that I'm more of a bulk eater. So I need a lot of green. Um, so when I walk into the grocery store, I am gunning straight to the produce. So I'm always going to pick up broccoli always. There's broccoli in my diet every single week. Um, my Another staple is apples. I'm always going to have apples every single time I walk into the store. I probably buy about, I buy apples twice a week. So I'll buy um, apples on the weekends and apples during the week. And generally I'm just, I stay with the same apples. So um, that's like a staple because I, that's my fiber. That's like one of my, one of the best sources of fiber It's pectin, which is a really strong source of fiber. And that's the way we detox. So I, if I have a little coffee and an apple for a snack midday, I don't drink coffee in the morning. I have, I have coffee in the afternoon. Um, so one o'clock coffee is perfect for me. It's the latest I can have it. I find that that is going to get my bowels going and I'm going to go to the restroom and it's a guarantee way to detox. So that's another conversation we can talk about. But I do apples every single day. Um, another one of my staples, so I said apples, broccoli, um, berries. So it can be, every week is a little different. So strawberries, blueberries, cherries, and blackberries. So it's going to be any variety or even gooseberries, but all the low glycemic berries. Um Onions are a staple. They are really strong in quintercin, so they're great for your immune system. I have onions, guarantee I'm going to always have onions and garlic. I generally buy them by the bulk together, onions and garlic. Um, another staple, I have a lemon tree, but I've been buying limes a lot. I like to have a source of citrus in the house. Um, so when a lemon tree is not growing, I'll grab lemons. If we have lemons on the trees, no problem. But lately I've been doing limes. 
um, and dark chocolate. That's kind of, those are like my actual literal staples on my shopping list every week. Yum. So many good gut boosting foods. And I love that you mentioned chocolate. I think a lot of people would think, you know, chocolate and skin, they can't benefit one another. But I think as long as it's a high quality, right, Leslie, is there any particular brand you like? So I do, it's the percentage. So the cacao, the cacao should be 70% or higher. It should be sugar-free. And I'm going to aim for my dark chocolate. You know, you don't want to go for milk chocolate. You want to go for dark chocolate with a 70% or higher. I always tell people, get the one with the nuts. It'll just be a better texture. Um, Something with maybe almonds or cashews, another fat source inside there will make the antioxidants and the flavonoids and the chocolate easier to absorb in your gut. So I do chocolate with nuts, no sugar, should have no sugar added. And it should be um, the higher the percentage, the darker the chocolate, the more bitter it's going to be. So I lean into a 70 to a 73%. Yeah, well, everybody can go get themselves a little treat. Yeah, and you know, and the, no, it's skin approved. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is skin approved. We have a product with cacao in it, so we have a, a oh. mass that that has been phenomenal oh. for our business with cacao. It's called Supreme Seed. It is just mm. mind boggling to me. It is not the chocolate that is. It's not the cacao that's actually you know flaring up acne when we relate chocolate and acne. It's not the cacao. It's the sugar, right? So right. we have to look at it. it's the sugar, not the cacao. So cacao is actually not uh, does not have naturally any sugar. So we really need to know the difference between the two, and um, it's the sh- it's the spike in that's causing the um, acne to flare up. It's the the blood sugar rise, the rapid blood sugar rise that's causing our acne to flare up, not the cacao. I feel like a lot of a lot of people listening might be very health conscious and already doing a lot of these things, but for somebody who maybe isn't, and maybe Mm -hmm. you've had experiences with clients who this is just new information, it's not the norm of how they normally eat. Do you have any advice as to how somebody could take a step towards living a little bit more holistically or, or eating more healthfully? Yeah. I mean, with every bite, just one step at a time. Literally, just it can just be tomorrow <laughs> yeah. with your first meal. That hey, just yeah. com- committing to tomorrow instead of cereal for breakfast or a special K or whatever you know cereal. I'm gonna just make a meal. Like I'm gonna make something with real whole foods that come from the ground or come from a tree or that are natural from nature. It, it can literally start tomorrow. Every everyone's journey is gonna be so different. I think people want to go all in and balls in on these types of things when it's literally a dedication to your health every single day. I was the total opposite of this, you know, 11 years ago when I realized that like, I'm not doing well, I'm running this business and I'm handing out these flyers and trying to get these customers to come in and get clients and work on my own. And I was eating Sour Patch Kids and I was running on sugar and drinking Red Bull and I was falling over by two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. And one day it just clicked with me that I had to improve my lifestyle and it was with every bite and it was with, it was one day at a time. It can start literally today by just bringing in herbal teas. 
It's, it can be as simple as just removing soda and just saying, I'm not going to drink soda. I love a carbonated beverage. I'm a sparkling water girl. So that's why I was talking about limes because I'm a big squeeze a little bit of lime in my sparkling water. I loved a mineral water. Like I'm a mineral water fiend. But I, I, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to drink soda ever again. And it was just as simple as that. It was just one, one step at a time. There's no, you're not going to jump into this lifestyle. It is literally a commitment to your body, to yourself, to your mental health, to, to yourself on a daily basis. It's waking up and committing to it every day. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I relate to that so much. I grew up in the 90s, and when we wanted a snack, we would have a drawer of do you remember those like Costco? It'd be like Cheetos and Doritos. Oh yeah, all the different chips. Yeah, that I mean, was really what I grew up on, and Pop Tarts and Hot Pockets. I had the same thing. I mean, are you kidding me? I had the same thing. And then when I started realizing, I, I told you one something that clicked with my mind was how can I model as I get older? Who can I model my life after? I asked myself this. I remember in the kitchen, it was again another aha moment. Who did I know in my life that I could model my life after that was a good example for living? My mom was a really hard worker. She has a work ethic of a, of a horse. I mean, she can work and work and work. She will, I don't even know if she'll ever retire. But that wasn't the model for living. That was a model for working, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't even want to model that because I didn't want to work that hard, but she she doesn't know any different. She's, you know, she's always in survival mode, so she doesn't know any different. But I looked at my grandmother and I looked at my grandfather, and I've mentioned this before, but when I realized how they lived was how I wanted to live. They lived till 90. My grandfather lived to 97. My grandmother lived to 91. My grandmother was an avid gardener, much like your grandmother, and my grandfather mm -hmm. was a butcher. He brought home fresh meat. He knew how to cut up anything and everything. He knew every single body part. We had the diagram of a lamb in our garage. We had the diagram of, a, of like a big lamb. And this is where the shanks and this is where the good meat is. And this is where the, you know, the, the roast or the butt roast or whatever. And I realized that's not even a skill anyone can even do anymore. I would have no idea what cut of meat I'd be looking at. But my grandfather knew. My grandmother knew what time of year to plant seeds. I remember asking her if she wanted some watermelon that I picked up at the store in June. And she said, watermelon, this is not the season for watermelon. What do you mean in June? I said, do you want some watermelon? And she's like, no, I don't know where that watermelon's from. The good stuff doesn't come to August. So, you know, and she's just like, the sun is not the same anymore. The soil's not the same anymore. And I realized it's my grandparents. So just in saying that, I, I can talk about my grandparents and, and their, their being a role model for my life that I didn't even know I had. But I, and I can, I can talk about that all day, but finding someone you can model your life after, and it might be an aunt, it might be a cousin, might be an old neighbor, but finding somebody you, you can look at their lifestyle, not just what they attained in life, but what is it that their lifestyle can show you? And, and it was my grandparents that showed me that, you know, putting garlic in every meal was really good for me. Um, cooking my meals was really good for me. Going to bed at eight, if I bothered my grandparents in their little outhouse, they had kind of like an ADU before it was an ADU. And if I knocked on their door at nine o'clock, they'd be like, go away. You know, they didn't even let you. They knew what boundaries were. They're like, no, don't come in here. It's 8.30, we're going to bed. You go figure out, <laughs> you go to the big house and we'll be out here. But it was my grandparents. So finding someone you can model after, because really, at the end of the day, we we really we need to see these things in practice. So this podcast is a lot of estheticians listening. I think 
this is just so crucial for longevity in the industry when you're caring for other people all day. And I've loved seeing the industry shift in a way because I think when I first got into the industry, there was a lot of pride around not eating all day and just going back to back to back with clients. And like you mentioned, surviving on Red Bull or coffee. And now I'm seeing things change where estheticians are more interested in health, not just for their clients, but because we can't sustain ourselves working so hard physically without taking care of ourselves. Well, and we can't sustain our clients either. No, it's not good for anyone. No, it's not good for anyone. So it's like you can't really sustain your clients if you can't take care of yourself. How you'd show up in your business every day. There's a saying is how you do anything is how you do everything. How I take care of myself is how I need to take care of my clients, right? And so I don't think there is any difference. It's how I nurture myself and how I try to take care of myself. If I can implement these things into my daily life, I can surely show you how to implement these things into your life and create protocols around that. And that's really, you know, um, when I realized that I have the ability, not as an, not just an esthetician to touch the lives of people through their skin, but to literally change their lifestyles. Absolutely. And Leslie, I I want to hear a little bit before we wrap up about your brand. I think you've done such a beautiful job bringing it to life. Leslie's brand is called Clure. And I think it's really inspiring for estheticians to see a fellow esthetician start their own brand. Is a day in the life like for you running a skincare brand? Um, I don't have... Once around, I would say around 12 o'clock, I don't have any set schedule. Like it's generally going to be, things are going to change. Like I said, today, um, I had to be in the warehouse today. So there, sometimes it's a set schedule. Sometimes it's not. There's no, every day is not the same. But when I wake up, the first two hours of my day are mine. So those are the two hours of the day. I can guarantee something's not going to be too crazy. I generally get up at 7 um, and I will make a tea again. I don't talk a lot about tea, but I will make a tea and have a ginger shot. These are the two things I give myself every single day. So I do like a ginger carrot and lemon shot, um, with a little tea and I will either check my emails. Um, I generally don't get back right away. I just check emails and see what I kind of like plan my day, but I, you'll, generally, if I do have time, I'll try to work out. I've not been so great at that. I've been doing more evening walks, but in the summer, I will get up and do that and go for a walk before it gets too hot. But the first two hours of the day are mine and I do whatever I want with them. So this morning I prepped lentils. I got up and I literally cooked dinner. I cooked dinner so I don't have to worry about dinner tonight. So I find that seven to nine o'clock are the hours I need for myself before my day begins. Then the day starts really at 9, 9.30. And then after that, it's emails, it's meetings, it's calls. Um, it's just some working with the chemist, doing R&D, dealing with our retailers at Credo. It can be dealing with, um, uh, you know, our team doing internal meetings, external meetings, uh, hiring, things like that. So it's just a plethora of different things. Because we're such a fairly new brand and such a young brand, we've 
there's always tasks for me to do and it's always ever changing. It's not like we have, you know, this 45 uh, member team where everything is already done for me and I just kind of like wear the founder role. I am still very much hands-on, still in the nitty gritty. We're still, um, we're still just, um, I guess like we're, we're, we're a bootstrapped company. So uh, we don't have like a hundred members who can tackle all these things quite yet. So the day changes and I, I kind of have to always be um, on my tippy toes to, you know, be able to kind of embrace that change very quick, pivot to the next thing or jump into the next hat. So um, the first two hours of my day is relatively the same because I ensure that happens every day. And then after 930, my day gets a little hectic. And what was the reason that you wanted to start Clore? It was for my clients. It was actually for my clients. Mm. It was a brand that I created that was, I wouldn't even say it was a brand. They were products that I had created Mm -hmm. for my clients for their personal use within the facial studio. Um, And I started with a uh, dedicated newsletter and the products. And a lot of times, um, my clients would just always mention like, oh, do you sell these products? Or actually, you know, in LA, there's so many trans people transient coming and going, living in LA for a short time, and then they move back home. What happened was a lot of my clients were asking for my products when they would move. So it's one one year you'd be in LA and then you'd be back in home in Florida, but my clients would want the product. So essentially I started uh, selling my clients the product online. I had to put them online to make them available for my clients who had seen me, you know, three, four years ago. So if you couldn't come for a facial, you could get your, you could stay on your routine. You could actually continue with the protocol. And that became really, that became really important to my clients that they could actually stay on their routine. And I realized that it was more the routines and the consistency of the routine that was making a difference. So, um, I didn't necessarily aim to make it a brand, but it sort of just kind of naturally, organically became a brand as a byproduct of the, the what I was doing in the facial room and what I was doing on our newsletter. Um, I essentially decided, I think, like officially to ter- make it a brand when I realized I did not see any es- black estheticians. I didn't see black estheticians with brands on the market. So when I took it, to market it was actually called Clur Skin Aesthetics. It was the facial studio that I had in 2014. I took it just to market just in that same name, but it was quite long. So um, I decided, well, you know, we'll give it this a go. And and I did. I landed in Urban Outfitters in 2014. It was about 200 doors. Um, so I would, yeah, I would actually go on to be the very it blew my mind. I did not realize that, you know, the products I was creating for my clients for so many years would actually have a place in the market and, and people would respond to them and, and receive them so well. And once I actually entered retail market, I, I did not know this, but I would end up being the very first black esthetician to have a skincare brand or line on the mainstream market, actually, in an American retailer. I think there was one other black esthetician in the UK who had a line at Harvey. I forgot the name. Some, uh, it's like a UK, maybe Liberty, maybe it was called. Um, not sure. But in the as far as the US, I had never seen a black esthetician with a skincare line on the market. I I had known that Kate Somerville was an esthetician and she was on the market. I had known that you know Dennis, Dr. Dennis Gross was a dermatologist and Peter Thomas Roth was a dermatologist, but there were very few, and still to this day. 
this is a good thing though, good and good for the estheticians listening that there are very few. When you walk into a Sephora, there might be a thousand, fifteen hundred to two thousand brands. I don't. I, I'm guessing, and there are only a handful of esthetician-led brands in there, maybe three or four. So, um, Claire started to become more of um, you know, a personal mission for me to bring this brand to life to not just make products that were great. I already knew how to do that. I had already had the education to back that up, but to really how to turn that into a brand without it being too clinical, without it being too, um, I didn't want to turn people off because I didn't want it to be another spa brand. We had many spa brands. We had the Dermalogicas, we had the, um, you know, the SkinCeuticals, all those really great spa brands, but we didn't really have esthetician led brands on the marketplace where the consumer could feel like they could partake in these, um, in these, um, clinical formulas. So, uh, that was actually, I think that was the, the biggest struggle was really trying to, to shift it from being just an esthetician led brand and going the clinical route to writing right in the middle of it is a consumer brand. So it has to be consumer friendly. I can't put out a 10% glycolic anything. Um, you know, I can't, that's not going to work on, in, in this market, but um really catering to the consumer while still retaining my holistic viewpoint as a, an esthetician. So I think that was the the greatest challenge was to build it as a brand because most, most, most um, people don't, they start the opposite way. They will put out the brand first and then they will go get their estheticians license later to give them credibility. Whereas I had all the knowledge, the credibility, the um, background and the decade of, um, not, of experience and practice to back it up, but I didn't really understand how to build a brand. So I think that was kind of like you know, the, the hardest part. Oh, well, congrats to you. That's so amazing. You've had such success with retailers and in your own right so far. It's just really inspiring to hear as an esthetician. And I love seeing us more represented in the mainstream because we truly are experts and and we deserve that spot on the shelf and that credibility so we do i hope to see more of our brands out there you know what it's it's a it is um you don't realize what you're doing until you just do it you don't you know you don't realize it and and i did not have i could never have foreseen when i went to school when that lady called me in pure one and said you know will you take this class now or never i didn't realize i'd actually you know um do i would you know be a trailblazer essentially so i'm like well, yeah i'll take this class tomorrow you don't realize what you do until you actually just do it and and um seeing more esthetician led brands come to the market makes me so happy because this is the and we do deserve not just the shelf space but we, we are the educators we are the coaches we are the ones who have taken the time to build these um these protocols and these practices. And we have this, uh, we have our own viewpoint. We have our way of treating skin. And I think that, um, you know, we need a little less models and celebrities doing it and more of the, the actual experts. Amen. Yes. We are the ones who are touching our client's skin or seeing that change on a continual basic basis. It's not like we just recommend something and never see them again. It's this yep. long-term communication. So we know how the skin is affected with what we put it put on it every single day. Absolutely. I, I'm with you. Well, Leslie, 
Thank you so much. This has been so much fun and we'd love to have you back for a part two anytime. Just thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that you did. Thank you so much. Where can we find you on Instagram or to shop your brand to learn more from you? You can yeah. find me personally. My my Instagram, my personal page is Love Leslie L U V L E S L E Y. I'm not gonna change it because it's the old it's my old, old page. I'm not gonna change my name on Instagram. It's Love Leslie. Um, you can find Claire at just uh, Claire.co. Uh, that's the website. You can shop Claire, and then Claire on Instagram is just Claire. Um, Claire.co on Instagram as well. And you can also shop us at credobeauty.com and in Credo, all 13 Credo Beauty locations. Oh, how fun. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes. Leslie, thank you again. Fantastic interview. I know everybody is going to really enjoy this one. So thanks so much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you all for listening. I will talk to you in the next episode next week. 